following message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we'll do this morning, let's follow on what the Lord's been saying about this capacity we have to bless. And I want to really even lift our vision even higher this morning and to say some remarkable things about the power of our words and actually God's call in our life, you know. So I want you to open your Bible this morning at Genesis. So let's go to open, we're going to have a little look at this. And we're going to, I want to show you this morning what the God kind are called to do. You see... As a man thinks, so he is. The more that we receive this wonderful truth, and even Jesus said to his disciples, you know, I have much to tell you, but you're not able to receive it yet. And that's our experience too. You know, we're growing in the message of the gospel, the message of grace. We're growing in the revelation of who we are and whose we are. And so we should be able to receive things and take things and process things, take hold of things that we couldn't have done maybe a year ago or two years ago. Isn't that wonderful? I always say we're only scratching the surface of the goodness of God. And so I want to show you this morning uh, in Genesis, in fact, that the gospel that calls forth the new creation. So let's just look at Genesis 1. And we're going to read from verse 20. And as we're reading this, I want you to notice to whom these words are addressed and the effect of these words. Okay, so this is Genesis 1 from verse 20. It says, Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning a fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Praise God. So notice whom God speaks to. First he speaks to the waters and then he speaks to the land and he blesses. His words bless and his words bring a fruitfulness, an increase. So we can say that when God speaks, what happens? His words bring forth new creatures and bless those creatures. Now, I want you to take hold of something today. That's in Christ what your words and my words can do. Bring forth new creatures and bless those creatures. I'm going to explain that to you. Now notice everything in that passage reproduces after its kind. After its kind. So God set up creation that creation reproduces after its kind. An elephant can't give birth to a horse. A dog can't give birth to a cat, praise God. So given that, let's have a little look now from the next verse at verse 26 of who God speaks to when he wants to bring forth man. Remember, he spoke to the earth, he spoke to the waters. Look at verse 26. Who does God speak to when he wants to bring forth man? Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps 
on the earth. Isn't that beautiful? So God spoke to himself to bring forth man. Praise God. And that's what Paul said to the Corinthians, that we would not live as mere men, but that we would be born and live from the Spirit, from our heavenly life. Praise God. You have a heavenly life in Christ. We're born from that life. What I'm telling you this morning is, you've been hearing testimonies about people speaking to people and having the effect on people, even when you open your mouth. You're the God kind. You're the God kind. And the God, when he speaks his words, bring forth new creatures and bless those creatures. And I'm going to show you this morning that when the gospel is in our mouths, that's exactly what happens with people. Praise God. It was true. God spoke to, these, to the earth and he brought forth that creation. Then he spoke to himself to bring forth man. Now, can anybody tell me what film this quote is from? In order to find his equal, an Irishman is forced to talk to God. Ah, Mrs. D is quick off the mark this morning. Do you remember that line in Braveheart? There was a guy in that old film, he must be 30 years old now, and he used to talk to God and people thought he was mad. And he said, listen, in order to find his equal, an Irishman has to talk to God. Well, you know, there's more truth in that than you think. Because God, in order to bring us up into who we really are, he has to talk to us. And that's what happens when we get together. That's what happens when you speak to somebody, when you're full of the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to people and causing that sort of effect. He's bringing people up into their true identity, into who he declares them to be, praise God. And so we're going to look this morning at what that looks like in our lives. Isn't that exciting that we have the capacity to speak over creation? And I want to show you this morning that God wants that for us. It almost sounds blasphemous, but when you understand the heart of a father, like Mary spoke about this morning, the heart of a parent to want to bring their child up, to work with their child, to be with their child. The heart of a father will revolutionize the way you think about God. There was an old church father from the fourth century called Athanasius, and he said this, before God was a creator, he was a father. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Praise God. It's so powerful, isn't it? Mm. Verse 26, look at verse 26 again. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over, so that they may rule over, so that they may rule over. <coughs> Remember Jesus said that we're to be overcomers. I like the word overcomer. What that means is, when you understand who you are in Christ, you will overcome this world. You will not take your identity from this world. You will not sit there and say, I'm the person that this was done to, as Danny read out this morning. You will listen and receive who God says you are. You will not be that man who lost his job. You will not be that person whose car broke down. <laughs> you will not be defined by what happened to you or by what you did in this world. You're not to be defined by your earthly record. That's not how we have salvation, by what we did. We're called by a higher name. <coughs> given in Christ before the foundation of the world. Remember that beautiful scripture in 2 Timothy 1? We're not called according to your earthly works, but according to the purpose and grace given in Christ before the foundation of the world, but revealed now by the appearing of Jesus Christ, revealed through the gospel. It's so beautiful. So, overcoming. Those verses show God speaking into, creating, into creation, and his words really are blessing his creation and causing that creation to grow. Praise the Lord. So, we're going to speak about speaking with God this morning. And I'm not talking about speaking for God. I'm talking about speaking with God. And there's a difference. 
Just in the Old Testament, you know, over creation, God said, let us. And then the fruit of his words were good. Everything he saw was good. So in the New Testament, in the new creation, the church says, let us and the Holy Spirit. It seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. So how does that happen? How do we speak words that bring forth and bless the new creation? Well, in the words of Jesus, you do it by not speaking on your own. People ask Jesus, how do you do that? How does the dead rise when you speak? How do the blind see when you speak? How do the deaf hear when you speak? What did he say? He said, I don't speak on my own. I don't speak on my own. You know what the Holy Spirit's teaching us? Not to speak on our own. Not even to think of yourselves as on your own. It begins there. That's the foundation that God is bringing us into. Stop thinking of yourself as a self. Stop thinking of yourself on your own. You're not on your own. God happened to you. You're in union with Christ. Praise God. Now, when you think of yourself from there, you begin to speak in a different way. You begin to speak with God. And when you speak with God, remarkable things happen. But sometimes in church, we're taught that you're a self, you're an individual, and it's your job to try and be a better individual. <coughs> that will kill you. That will kill you on your own, trying to be good on your own. <laughs> you weren't designed to be on your own. Isn't that right? That's why the Lord said to Adam, eat of that tree, the on your own tree. If only I had enough knowledge of good and evil. If only I keep coming to church and learn all this stuff, then I could be good. You'll die because you're not on your own. That's not life. Life is not on your own, praise God. So what happens when a man speaks over the earth with God? Here's what happens. Acts 10 verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Praise God. Remember we saw that a few weeks ago. So Jesus spoke words on this earth for 30 years, but his life remained in obscurity. And yet suddenly, for three years, his words carried creative power. What happened? What changed? When did that begin? Well, how about this? Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, and immediately after that, the Spirit leads Jesus into the desert, into a place where every, every earthly resource is going to be taken from him. And in that place, he has to overcome the temptation to be his own God. The temptation to do things on his own, to act on his own for his own good. And there he declares in effect to the enemy, I will not live that way. I will not live a by-yourself life. I will not speak on my own. I will only speak what my Father gives me to say. For man cannot live on bread alone, but in every word that keeps proceeding from the mouth of the Father. And what's the result of that? The result is seen as soon as he comes out of the desert, he goes to his home synagogue, he stands up, and he says this recorded in Luke 4, 14. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him went through all the surrounding region. Suddenly, you see, his words are having an effect on the earth and this is the moment he's been preparing for for 30 years. Why are his words different now? Well, he waits till he gets to his home synagogue and then he tells people why. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? And the Spirit of God is on us to speak. To speak in a way that causes new birth. Now let me explain that. 
Jesus was saying to the people there, wait till you see what's going to happen next. The blind are going to see. The deaf are going to hear. The lame are going to walk. The dead are going to be raised. You're going to see a man participate in God's life, the let us life of Genesis. Let us. Let us. That's the first creation. We're living in the new creation. God, the Spirit of God is redeeming the face of the earth as we speak. Through the body of Christ, the light givers, speaking out the very words of God. Words that say, let us. And as we speak those words over the creation, over people, praise God, new life is birthed. And that life is blessed. It's such a beautiful thing. That's what happens when God speaks over the earth. When a man does not speak on his own, but speaks with the Spirit of God, his words will bring forth new creatures and bless those creatures. This is what we see in Genesis. When God speaks, he brings forth that new life. And there's a pattern in Scripture as well. It's the first thing we see in the Bible. If you look at Genesis 1, the very first paragraph, it says that the Spirit hovered over the deep over the darkness, over the confusion. This world is like in confusion and darkness. Many people are living there. And yet when the Spirit came, he brought order out of that confusion. Then if you go a little bit further in the Bible, <coughs> there's a flood. And it's like the whole earth is renewed again. And remember at the end of the flood, Noah sends out a dove to see if the new world is habitable yet, if he can stand in this new world. What's the sign that the new world is ready? The dove doesn't come back. You could say the dove remains. That's the sign of the new creation. The dove remains. The dove, picture of the Holy Spirit. What have we just read in the baptism? Jesus came out and the dove came down. Now listen to what John the Baptist said. John 1 verse 32. And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So in Christ came the new creation, God with man. And Paul declared, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And here's the good news for you and I this morning. The Holy Spirit does not come and go on you. He remains. Come on, turn to your person beside you and say, he remains. Praise God. He remains. Praise God. Because he's not given according to your behavior, so he's not going to leave according to your behavior. Now, if you don't understand what I'm saying, it sounds like I'm saying you can do what you like. Mm, no, I'm saying actually you'll do what God is doing because you're one with him. And if I keep telling that to you and to me, and I'm preaching to myself, faith comes by. Yes. Praise God. This is how we grow up, you know. When we look at children, we have a children's service. These children are beautiful, you know. They're growing. They're like sponges. Oh, my goodness. They're like sponges, you know. You've got to be so careful what you say, isn't that right? <laughs> Over your children. Because they will be, as you say, that's the power most people here, and I heard, uh, we had a lovely meeting here in the, in, the, in the church on Friday with some different charities coming together. And we're thinking about um, setting up something in the city to do with training people, you know. And, and Brian, Brian Carolyn is here, and Brian said something wonderful. He said that most adults are being dictated to by an eight-year-old child inside them, you know. That you came to the conclusion about who you are and what you can do and what you can't do by the time you were seven and eight. And what God wants to do with his church, he wants to grow you up past seven or eight, okay? He wants to grow you up past everything your family told you you were and who you were and bring you up into who he sees you and declares you to be, praise God. And that's what happens through the preaching of the gospel. It's just so beautiful. In Christ came the new creation. 
For all those in Christ, the Spirit of God does not come and go. He remains. And when a man is anointed with the God Spirit, he too can speak words that bring forth the new creation and bless that creation. You know, we used to have an old phrase, speaking under the unction or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How do we know when we're preaching the gospel in the power of the Spirit that our words are of the Spirit of God? They bring forth new life and bless that new life. That's how we know. Same way we saw it in Genesis. Praise God. Like father, like sons. That goes to the ladies here as well. Ladies, you know that you're sons of God? Why does the Bible call you sons of God? Well, because in those days, everybody assumed if you were a woman, you didn't get an inheritance. You see? So the women are called sons of God too, so that nobody makes any mistake. They get the inheritance just like men do. Praise God. No man or woman in Christ in that sense. So, if the Father's words can both birth and mature new life, then when we as children speak with the same spirits, our words too can birth new life and bless that life into fruitfulness. In other words, our words when spoken with the Spirit are life-giving. I'll say that again. Our words when spoken with the Spirit are life-giving. That sounds blasphemous. It would be if I said my words are life-giving. I didn't say my words. I said our words. You see? So if I'm ministering and speaking out of my union with Christ, out of the Spirit of God, then those words will be life-giving. If I'm speaking out of the self-life, guess what those words are going to be? They're going to be self-ish. And self-ish life doesn't bring life. Even self-ish life preached from the pulpit doesn't bring life. Praise God. If I preach to you, preach to the self to improve yourself and be a better Christian, that's a self-ish message. Do you understand? And that's why it doesn't change you or bring life. Praise God. So our words are life-giving. As God kind, children of God, people born of the Spirit, we have that capacity to speak in that way, to bring forth that new life. Now, whether we do it or not depends where those words are from. Are they of the Spirit or are they of the flesh? Because everything reproduces after its kind. So as Jesus said to Nicodemus, flesh can only give birth to flesh, but spirits gives birth to spirits. Now you see why the Apostle Paul said, be thee continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be thee being filled. That's where we're here today. I want to top up. I want to be so filled that when I go out and hear some bad news, the first thing out of my mouth is going to be, praise the Lord. And people around you go, oh my goodness, you believe in that? Praise the Lord on your worst day. Why? Because you're filled with the Spirit of God and His words bless and His words bring new life out of what looks like death. And His words bless the new life that comes out. Praise the Lord. So keep hearing the gospel proclaimed in the Spirit. That's the best way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To proclaim the gospel in the power of the Spirit is to declare to people who they are because He lives. Not who they could be, if they live long enough and try hard enough. Worth saying again, isn't it? To preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit, to speak with God, is to tell people who they are, not who they could be if they live long enough and live holy enough. That's what the Holy Spirit does, you see. There's an eminence to the preaching of the gospel where you recognize that you're in the presence of God, you're in light. The gospel doesn't point to you, it points to Christ. And that's why if you keep coming here looking for us, to tell you to be a better Christian and sin less, you're going to get disappointed. You know why? We don't preach you. Woo! We preach Christ. His life is sufficient. 
His life is sufficient. And when we get that rooted and grounded in us, we're free. We're free from that eight-year-old dictator. You're free from what all your family have said. You're free from the world that says, try harder to be a better self. You're free because that self died in Christ. And you rose in us. You rose with God. That's the life that we have now. Praise God. It's a beautiful life. You know, when we come together as a body, we're practicing this life. John wrote that. He said, you say you love God? Really? If you hate your brother, you haven't seen God. So we're learning to see God in each other. That's what we're learning to do. We're learning to treat each other and hear God from each other. Praise the Lord, even through the children. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Because God speaks in a language that we understand. What did everybody hear on Pentecost? God speak to them in their own language. The children will hear in their own language. You'll hear in your own language. Even if you're from Donna you'll hear in your own language. <laughs> everybody hears. See, what that means is God begins where you're at. God begins where you're at. I imagine when Jesus spoke to children, he didn't tower over them. He got down on his knees and he got eye to eye with them. God speaks to you where you're at. He speaks your language. He begins where you're at. And he begins there to lift you up. It's a beautiful thing. The gospel doesn't point to you. It points to Christ. And the gospel preached in power, the power of the Spirit, doesn't just point to Christ. It reveals Christ, reveals his life, not just as a future promise, something to be hoped for, but as a present reality to be received. I'm amazed at the reality and the imminence. I'm just, it's just hitting me now, actually, you know. When the gospel was preached in power in the early church, it wasn't a message about one day being with God. It wasn't a message about heaven and hell. Can I tell you why? It was a message that didn't leave you with a promise about somewhere, a place. It was a message that brought you into the very presence of God. You realized that God is here. That's what people realized when Jesus spoke. Even the police who went to arrest him said, Oh my God, you know, it's just something different. When he speaks, God is present. I think that's the reason people were baptized on the spot. Do you notice that? All the way through Acts, when a message was preached, these days we'd say something like, put your hand up, say the prayer if you want to receive Christ. In those days, people were baptized immediately. Why? Because there was such a, you found yourself, it wasn't this, listen, if you'll do a six-week course, then maybe you could be a Christian. It's my God, he's here, and I'm accepted. And I don't know how I know, I just know. I just know everything's okay, I just know. Light is here. And by that light, I can see. I can see. I was blind, but now I see. I see who I am. I see in him I'm a totally different person. I see who he always made me to be. And tears will fall down your face. And then when they offer water, of course you'll go in. Because you are a new person. Isn't that beautiful? Now that sort of eminence will come back to the gospel when we begin to move in the power of the Spirit and declare to people by the power of the Spirit who they are. Not who they could be if they keep coming to church, but who they are. Praise God. Because guess what? The people we're called to speak that out to don't go to church. You've got to find them. Where were you, Kevin? Tom Molinas. That's where they are. <laughs> Let's have a collection. We'll all go. No, no. <laughs> we're coming here to be equipped to speak in such a way that you're going to see new life come forth. And that's going to be instantaneous. That's going to be instantaneous. This whole world says that you need to be qualified. The Bible says this, the Father qualified you when he delivered you from darkness into light. So, children of the light, walk in the light. Walk in the light of what Christ has done and let that light be seen. Give that light to others, everyone you meet. Praise God. This is what I've got written here next. There are far too many motivational speakers in the church. 
there are far too many motivational speakers in the church trying to motivate people to do a little bit better. That's always been the way. Paul wrote that. He said to the Corinthians, I did not come to you relying on eloquence or superior wisdom. I determined to know nothing when with you except Christ and him crucified. The gospel doesn't point to you. It points to Christ. That's the joy of it. Isn't that right? Yeah, I believe God wants to restore the joy to the church. My vision for this church is a party. That's why you're sitting around tables. It's a party. That's God's vision. It's the house of music and dancing. We come to celebrate the truth. We come to live from the truth. We come, no matter what's been spoken over you out there in that world, you come here and you rejoice and you give thanks, praise God. I know sometimes in the first few minutes it can be a bit of an effort, but you know what? When the Spirit comes alongside you, you're lifted. And that's people come alongside you. When we come alongside each other, we lift people into a different realm. You will walk with people this week, John Campbell, and you will lift them into a different realm. Just walking with them, just walking with them. They won't know why, but as you're speaking, their hearts will be burning within them, and they will say to themselves after, God, walk with us. Now, that sounds blasphemous, but when you get an idea of your father, you'll see that's exactly what a father wants for his children. It's exactly what we all wanted for our children, for them to be just like us. Praise God. People sitting in darkness don't need a promise of light. They need light. They don't need an eloquent description of light. They need light. They don't need a promise or a description of the presence of God. They need an experience, an encounter, praise God, with the presence of God. And when Jesus spoke to people, they didn't just hear a description or a promise of the presence of God. They found themselves in, and I say that over you, when you speak to people, people will find themselves in the presence of God. Now, come on. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. He didn't give us his Holy Spirit so we could be more eloquent. He gave us his Spirit that we would be God's presence on the face of the earth. Praise God. People find themselves that way in an encounter with God. And his words brought people into life with God. When Jesus spoke, that's where people find themselves. Jesus didn't say, my words are a promise of spirit and life. He said, my words are. My words are. My words are. How can it be God's will that his body, the body of Christ, speak in a language Christ himself never spoken, the language of separation? He said, my words are spirit and life. When we speak of the spirit of God, these words are life-giving. People here speak life-giving words all the time. I've been picked up off the floor time and again by words people sitting in this room have spoken into my life. Life-giving words. Not life-stripping words, life-giving words, praise God. Where we build people up, so beautiful, is what we're called to do. We have not been given God's Spirit that we'd be promises of the light, but that we would be the light. Earthly men can only promise the light, the God kind bring the light. Woo! Who's the God kind? The God kind bring the light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let me read it to you, it's beautiful. He said this in Matthew 14, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine. Before. There's that beautiful word, let. Let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Ephesians 5.8 says this, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Praise God. We are children of a Father whom John said, In him there is no darkness at all. Praise God. 
He is the giver of life, and all who are born of him, born of a spirit, born from above, we are givers of light. We cannot be those who bring the light of his presence, his kingdom, onto the earth unless we first receive the light, the illumination of his spirit. You cannot give what you have not received. We are light givers because we are first light receivers. We can only impart his life because we have first received his life. And through that, through receiving his words, which we found to be spirit and life, by receiving the gospel. In the light of the gospel, we could see what we couldn't see before. In the light of the gospel, we could see what we couldn't see before in the dark. We saw that his life was freely given to us. Has anybody here seen that? Can you see that in the light of the gospel, that his life is freely given to you? Not according to your works, but according to his grace and purpose given in Christ. We could see that in the light. We saw in the light that his life was the gift of his grace, not the reward for our goodness. And under the light of that glorious gospel, we found ourselves forgiven and accepted by God. We found ourselves. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's almost like, my God, I can't. it's very hard to explain how this happens. You know, It's like an awakening to a reality that already is, but by the impartation of the Spirit. Listen to how the message describes this in Romans 5. This is beautiful. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same time that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Isn't that beautiful? That's today. That's for our life today. I just keep saying this to myself. I'm not waiting for a better day. Today's the day. Today's the day. It's a beautiful May day. The sun's shining, you know. What can heaven see? This place is full of light. We're all light givers. We're the light that God has put on the earth. Isn't that beautiful? He shared his light with us. Jesus said a lamp is placed in such a way that it gives light. We've been placed in this generation not to promise light, but to give light. Not to be light salesmen. <laughs> We're not light salesmen. We don't offer people light if they'll pay a price. You know why? That's pointing them to themselves. There's no power in a gospel that points you to you. But multitudes of people in the church are light salesmen. We're trying to sell light to people. If only they'll buy it from us. If only they'll do what's necessary, then we'll give them the light. No, be the light. And in that light, let them see by the power of the gospel who they are. And they will find themselves in light. Praise God. How does Genesis say that God brought light into the darkness? He spoke. Genesis 1.3 says, God said, let there be light and there was light. Everything in Genesis, God says, let it be. Let there be. And so we're the same, like father, like sons. How do we bring light into people's darkness? How do we bring the kingdom on the earth? What did Jesus say to tell us to say? When his disciples said, Lord, what words will we use? He said, say this, Father, let, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done. Let it be. And that's our words as children of God. We have this most powerful words, let it be, let it be. We have a father whose desire was always more than to do everything for us. He wanted to do everything with us. And that's why Father, Son, and Spirit in the first creation said, let us. And now in this new world, in this new creation, he invites us to participate. To participate. That we can say with him, let us. I know it sounds almost blasphemous. I tell you, when you understand God is your father, when you have the heart of a parent, it's the most natural thing in the world to want your children to share your life. In fact, Jesus said that's what eternal life is. God invites man to participate with him. 
You know, he's, he's saying, I could do this for you, but my heart is to do it with you. In fact, God was saying, I won't even begin this work of recreation, this new creation, until I hear the words, let it be from the mouth of one made in my image and my likeness. Is it not astonishing that when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and made that declaration, the incarnation was born because Mary said, let it be. She found those words on her lips by the Spirit of God. Let it be. Let it be done unto me according to your word. That's where it all begins. In your life and my life, the new creation. You want to see it revived again this week? Start there. Let it be. Let it be this week according to your word in my life. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care how I'm feeling. I don't care how many times the car breaks down. I'm a child of God. I'm blessed. I'm provided for. If the whole world comes against me, it doesn't change who I am. Because I am who I am by the grace of God. Praise God. By the grace of God. Let me finish by giving you a beautiful picture of that. You know, Genesis 2, just over the page, it describes God actually bringing Adam um, you know, it, it, before his creation. And he calls all the creatures to Adam. And he says to Adam, you name them. It's beautiful. You can read this. And there's, there's just a lovely verse which describes what happens next. Genesis 2.19 declares this. And whatever Adam called that creature, that was its name. Woo! Think of the joy of the Father. Look, creation, a God kind. Look, when he speaks, it is my son. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Can you see how pleased the Father is when we speak as his children? When we rise up to speak blessing over our enemies, Collins. Over our enemies. Anybody can bless their friends over your enemies this week. Wow, you see supernatural things happen. You bless your enemies. You speak life over them. See, they, they're like that because they can't see who they are. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because they don't see. But their eyes open by the preaching of the gospel, by the light. Those same men who crucified Jesus 50 days later on Pentecost. Praise God. As Peter got up to speak, their eyes were opened and they saw. Praise God. And they were baptized immediately. Praise the Lord. That's not the great desire of every parent, is it not? To see our children share life like that. You know, when you have a young child uh, younger than these children, one of the first things you do with them, I remember with our children, you say this, Dada. 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 Mama. Mama. What are we doing? We're expressing our heart. What do we want? We want them to speak. Why do we want them to speak? Because we want to be known by them and to know them. That's eternal life, according to Jesus. John 17, 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, heaven. Is that what he said? No. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's life. It's knowing and being known. Isn't that beautiful? Knowing and being known. Sister, you walked in here. Nobody knows you. You don't know anybody, but you're at home. You're at home. You're at home. Praise God. Known and being known. You are known and you know him. Praise God. Knowing and being known. That's what we want for our children. That's what we want for our children. We named them those names because we saw something in them and we wanted them to be. And they rose up to be all that we wanted them to be. With a few hiccups. Because they don't just listen to us. They listen to the world. Praise God. Hey, but we're all growing, aren't we? We're all growing. Yeah, we're all growing. Turn to your neighbor and say, by goodness, we're growing. 
Okay, let me try and bring this to a close. We're speaking about speaking over people. And you're going to see them by the Spirit and speak a different name over them. And if you have the capacity to do this, if you feel the Spirit allowing you to do this, um, remarkable things are going to happen when you speak these names. Let me tell you what I mean. To proclaim the gospel in the power of the Spirit is to speak of what is. It is to declare, let what is be. It is to say to this world, God was in Christ reconciling you to himself and is now no longer counting your sins against you. And so as his ambassadors, as the God kind, we declare to you, be whom God had declared you to be. Be reconciled to God. Can you see that? We don't tell him to do, we tell him to be. And if we're speaking of the Spirit, in our words, they find the life and the power to be. In that moment, their eyes are opened and they can find themselves being whom God declares them to be. It's such a beautiful thing. Let Jesus be who he is, your true life. In your life, let this truth be. God has given you his life and that life is found in his son. Let this truth, this life be found in you. It's not the promise of the dawn that dispels the darkness. It is the dawn itself. So let this truth, this light be in you, in your life. Let it be and be delivered from darkness into light, into the kingdom of a son. What does being the God kind look like? It looks like overcoming the world. It looks like ruling over the world. It looks like speaking to people not according to how the world sees them. How? How have we seen our Father rule over the world? By speaking words that bring forth new creatures and blessing those creatures. What does it mean to live as sons of God in our generation, to live as the God kind? How will this generation know that we are the God kind? when they see that our words too bring forth new creatures and bless those creatures with their true name, loved, accepted, forgiven, reconciled, blessed, provided for. These are the names that God has given into the earth for us to speak. When we speak, light comes into people's darkness. When we speak, people encounter not the promise of God, but the presence of God. When we speak, people find themselves with God and in their hearts, they find this word bubbling up within them. Bubbling up within them, bringing them into eternal life. The words, let it be. Let it be. That's what we do when we hold our hand up in a meeting. <laughs> let it be. You know what the word amen means? Let it be. Can anybody say amen? amen? Let it be. When Jesus spoke to people, they didn't just hear a promise of the presence of God. They found themselves in the presence of God. They found themselves delivered from darkness to light. Praise God. You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said to us. We are the light of the world. Turn to the person beside you and say, we are the light of the world. So through you and I, the Father is declaring light into our families, into our communities. He's saying through your life this week, he's saying, let there be light. That's what he says in your family. Let there be light. So when God brings people before us this week, let us not speak to people as if we're still in the dark because we're not in the dark as to what God has done for those people. So let's not speak as people in the dark. Let's speak in the light. Let's speak over them what God has done for them. Let's not call people after their works. Let us call them according to the purpose and grace of God given to, in, given to them in Christ before the foundation of the world. Let's call them reconciled to God, those whose sins are not being held against them. That's a lovely name for somebody, isn't it? Good morning, reconciled to God, whose sins are not being held against you. Oh, if the church would preach that. You see, how are they to believe 
if nobody says their name? And how are they to say it if they are not sent? And how are they to be sent if they're not imparted to, commissioned? That's what's happening as we gather together. We're receiving this word that we may go with this word. Praise God. Let's call them forgiven. Let's call them accepted in the beloved, that they may believe and so be and so live as who they are. Praise God. Oh, it's just too much to say. It's just too good. It's too good. Praise God. Father in heaven, I just thank you for your beautiful Holy Spirit this morning. First of all, we have to hear our own names. So, Father, we just receive our own name. Every person in this place, we receive the name accepted. Accepted. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say let it be? Let it 